Welcome back to the Coffee and Foils podcast. I'm your host, Simone, bringing you the client's perspective from the other side of the chair. Have you ever had a client with a vision that is so specific you kind of wondered what brought them there? On this episode, I explore that topic with my guest, Kristen, who is a client that knows what she likes and knows what she wants. As a brand stylist and creative director, she understands what she wants to see visually and has cultivated her own way of making sure her hair goals are always achieved. Keep listening to hear Kristen's point of view on what it's like to sit in someone's chair and not get what you want, leave with anxiety, and learn to speak up for yourself. Hey, Kristen. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. So I wanted to bring you on because you are a client of mine and I've told you a couple times how interesting it was like for you to bring this very specific list to me of the things that you like and you don't like and what has worked and what hasn't worked. And I've told you that I appreciated it, but I wanted to bring you on for other stylists out there who may have clients similar to you. Uh, to kind of see where it comes from and where it stems from and if you feel any certain way about you having this list, right? Like all the things that come with it because I truly find it helpful and refreshing because I have to make decisions for everybody else all day long that sits in my chair. And it's really nice to just be like, okay, if I do exactly what she's telling me she wants or doesn't want, we're going to be great. So if you can give me a little background, your hair history, how you kind of got to where you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm so, I just want to say right off the bat, I appreciate that you appreciate it because I know that sometimes as a creative that I am having a client come in with a vision, sometimes it's hard and I don't necessarily know the background that you have, but yet I do know that you are the expert and I'm always willing to take your advice too. So first and foremost, my hair history, I am, I was born with a lot of hair. I had pigtails and ponytails up even as early as my first birthday. I have thick, dark hair. I did not start dyeing my hair probably until six years ago. So a long part of my life, I had this very long, thick, virgin hair. And that came with a lot of challenges when it um, came time to find stylists. In 2004, I moved down to New York City. And at that point in time, you know, I was just, okay, let me go get a haircut. Okay, where do I go? I found a place based on recommendations from people at work. I would go get my hair done and I would go to go back to that place. And that person, the stylist would be gone. I think that's kind of the nature of New York City too, is finding a place where you can repeatedly go to the same person. Um, Over the years, I learned what I preferred as far as how somebody cut my hair, how my hair reacted to it after that point. So, you know, for me, I, I I started to understand what worked, what didn't, having thick hair and learning how to style it on my own, what worked in that sense. So by the time I came to you, and it's so funny, I I remember we connected just before the pandemic and I was so excited to come in and yeah. see you. <laughs> and all of a sudden everything shut down and it was almost two years until I was able to come sit in your chair. 
and it really I was by that time prepared of what I wanted what I needed um I had a really great stylist who took care of me who was a dear friend in the meantime while I was you know staying in a different state during the pandemic but by the time I came to you I kind of wanted to get back into that that routine of where I needed to be and that included really cultivating kind of a little library of images of color that I liked I think haircut styles that I liked and really the understanding of and I think this comes from my creative background too being clear on direction and helping somebody achieve the same vision that you have and that's that's a lot of what I do every day for work so I approach it in that way as well I think there's a secondary aspect of it and I know we've spoken about this as well is that I do have a high anxiety when it comes to getting my hair cut or getting my nails done and you I have that vision and I always like picture that's what it'll be and when that doesn't happen I get very anxious about it and I don't like that feeling so my hope is that by bringing all the tools to help us achieve this specific look that the two of us can closer get to that and I feel comfortable and you are working your magic as the creative you are as well. Perfectly said. <laughs> I have a million questions to stem off of that, but um, I can you explain to whoever's listening what you do for work? Because that sure. does play a part in this. Uh, yeah, definitely. I am a brand stylist and creative director. So I work with small creative businesses primarily female-run businesses. I've worked with many hairstylists to enhance their visual presence online. So I help them visually communicate who they are, what they do, what makes them unique through different graphics, through photos, through cultivating um, a website for themselves, and also social media. So it's a bit of the marketing, but a lot of that is pulled together through the visual aspects of the brand so that they are able to clearly communicate to their audience and their ideal client what exactly it is that they do so that they can attract that type of person. So the two really do, do go hand in hand here. Yeah, for sure. Um, I always find that when I um, when when a client sits in my chair who has some sort of design background in whatever way, shape, or form that is, they do truly understand colors and tones and placement a lot more than the mm -hmm. average person. And it always takes me by surprise, but in like the best way. Yeah. So I definitely thought like elaborating on what you do, because obviously I wasn't going to attempt to explain that because you explained <laughs> it very well. Absolutely. Um, so and I think, I think also just to kind of piggyback on top of that, I think, you know, I just want to make it clear too is, I'm not, oh, I'm not looking for anything that's like off the beaten path or wild. I think I'm looking for what a lot of girls are and women are these days. You know, I looking for a balayage color. I'm looking for a layered cut. I know I don't like my ends blunt. I, you know, I think what I'm looking for is truly what a lot of other people are looking for as well. It's not something that's like super creative or off, like wild. It's, it's pretty simple. I can attest to that. I think you explained that well also. It's not um, anything wild or crazy or 
something that people don't see every day. That's, that's kind of, um, Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. what you were trying to get at and, uh, because nobody can see you right now. So you do have possibly the world's thickest hair. And, but the thing is that makes it your hair different. I find than other people with thick hair is that it's so straight, you know, Very. when we think, I think as stylists, when we think thick hair, we're immediately picturing also curly or frizzy or any of that, but your hair is so thick and straight to the point where I'm sure you remember during the last session where I was just trying to take weight out. I was like, <laughs> I grab here and there's all the hair. Like I felt where it was coming from. Um, your hair texture is just unbelievable. So I'm sure yeah. that was a struggle forever for you. Yeah. To have smooth, thick hair is tricky because I do feel like you can't hide some of the imperfections. Yeah. A lot of the times you can see it. I have had stylists cut my hair with a straight razor. And while that works on a lot of people. It really did not work on me. And my hair really almost like it poofed out even, I don't have puffy hair, but my hair does not like, I don't have a lot of like volume to my hair. I have thick hair, but not a lot of volume. That's the better way to put it. So yeah, knowing, knowing even how a specific cut works. Yes. So what I want to point out to you, what's a little more stand out about the way that you go about things during like a, you know, when I'm having a consultation with you is that a lot of people know what they like and don't like, but they can't put their finger on it. Mm. You know, like I'll say, um, is there anything that you don't like? And a lot of people are just like, no, I trust you. And I'm always like, you know, you might trust me, but I don't think that's true. And like, (laughs) I can't get into their heads and I can't open up their brains and figure out what that thing is. And, and a lot of the problem of why they don't answer the question truthfully is because they don't know how to see the answer. They don't know what the answer is. They know that they got a haircut seven and a half years ago at a place when they were on vacation and they hated it and they didn't know why, or that color didn't work, but like, you know, they were going through a breakup. So maybe it was the breakup and, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, do that color again. I'm sure everything was fine. You know, so I get a lot of those conversations and, you know, not to say that I don't try and dig deep and say, what is it that you liked or what is it? I I ask all the questions, but not Mm -hmm. a lot of people come to the table with the answers that you have and the process of elimination that you come with. Like, I like my hair to look like this and I don't like my hair to look like this. And there's bullet points under that list. Um, (laughs) I don't come with a journal. I just want to make it clear to everybody. I don't come with a journal of what I want. I don't want. You know, Usually it's verbal bullet points. <laughs> and a lot of visuals. Visuals, I think, is where that helps me. And I feel like that helps communicate, especially color. Um, and we've talked about this time and time again. We know that it's a process to get to a specific visual look. Yes. Um, and, you know, I understand that we're taking small steps to getting towards that. And it might be two sessions. It might be three sessions to reach what that final outcome is. But yeah, the bullet points. <laughs> you know, verbal bullet points, you know. Or, yeah, it's a, con- <laughs> it's a conversation for sure. But, like, you know, I go in and I always know I like it angled in the front. I, I don't like blunt edges. It doesn't work with my thick hair. I know I need some texture cut into it because that I've learned over the years that has helped me 
curl my hair. I was at a point, even in my hair, I'll call it my hair story, where I was not able to, my hair could not hold a curl. And I could not understand why I would try to do it. But it wasn't until I had some texture underneath really kind of cut into my hair that those smaller pieces were able to hold the other pieces Mm -hmm. that were then able to hold the curl. And that changed my whole hair outlook because I now did not have to rely on just having long straight hair. I was able to have it shorter, have a little bit texture, and then therefore curl it, which was such a big style change for me. Yeah. Um, And to be able to have that kind of alternative, I was like, yeah, it's okay. I'm here. This is somewhere where I want to be with my hair. Now I know how we got there. And I think that helped me communicate. There was a lot of times where it was different stylists and it was a lot of trial and error yeah um to get to that point i was able to kind of create what that list was that helped me understand what i needed yeah and i mean i think even even hearing you talk now i would say that more than anything it just feels like you're informed about what like why the things that work work and maybe that's because like you've done the mental work figuring it out or maybe that's because you asked and someone told you and you just made um a note of that in your head of like, why did my hair curl better this time than any other time? Well, because there's texture in my hair and it's not so heavy and now there's movement. Or Mm -hmm. why did my hair get blonder that time and not the time before? Because we use XYZ product on you. And I think where other people are like, I liked this time, but I didn't like the other time and I have no idea why. And maybe my stylist just sucks and I'll never go back to them again. You're doing the work of putting the puzzle pieces together of saying, this is my perfect hair. Why is this my perfect hair? And what do I need to Mm -hmm. ask for in the future? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did I like about this time and how can we get that again? Or how can we push that a little bit further? Um, You know, and I just want to make it clear too, like sometimes things work and sometimes they don't. And I think our last time with a good example of that I was like I want more money pieces in the front (laughs) and you specifically asked me okay when you put your hair up do you want to be able to see it and I was like yes and we did that and I liked it for the first two I liked it for like the first six weeks and then it started to grow out and I could notice it at about eight weeks and I was like okay this isn't working for many this was not working for me anymore and I came back to you and I mean, I, I clearly was like, this is what we said we were going to do. And you want to know eight weeks later, I mean, let's just smudge it out a little bit and here we are and it's feeling great now. So it's also taking those and ebbs and flows and working with it too and saying like, okay, this worked for a certain period of time. I'm also somebody who likes as wild as this may sound after this conversation, <laughs> I like low maintenance hair. I mean, I will be honest, I really only do a big cut in color every six months, which is, I think I'm getting more towards like four or five months now, but that has been my life is really getting it done maybe three times a year. So I want to make sure that I can get something that will have that longevity as well. Right. And I think that was one of the first things that you told me, you know, it was kind of like, I want this look because this gives me the longevity and because I Mm -hmm. only get my hair done two or three times a year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you hold true to yourself. 
you are who you yeah, are. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, and I think a lot of that too came, now that I think about it, I think a lot of that came about because I was having a hard time finding somebody that was consistent. And I think I'm more inept now to come more often because you and I have gained this repertoire of understanding what each other wants. So I see myself coming more often now. I mean, I never expected that I would come back eight weeks later to just get like a little touch up. But I think that's what's so nice now is I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I can, I can just like keep an eye out on our schedule. And I love how you put that on Instagram too. That's very helpful from a client perspective to be like, oh my gosh, let me just jump on that. So that's good feedback too. So what, mm-hmm. um, what you're referencing is I mm-hmm. had made a post saying that I had a cancellation and you had like almost immediately messaged me and you were like, wait a second, I think I need a little something. Should I make that appointment? And I was like, yes. So um, that's actually good that you just said that, that putting the cancellations out there. Yeah. Um, take effect. Opening yeah. what's available. And even, I think you had mentioned, I have an opening. My next opening is not until early June, which is in this case, three to four weeks away. And that kind of like it, when a client said that puts the trigger and like, Oh my goodness, if I don't get in now. It, 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 and I would say from a marketing and branding perspective, what I do for my job, creating that urgency is so important to getting somebody to pull the trigger. Wow. Yeah, it I really, it makes a difference. So the reason why I posted, that was the first time that I've done something like my next opening isn't until this date. The reason why I did that is because I'm very tightly booked this month and I had to cut my hours down just a little bit um, because of some personal things going on, which I never, ever do. But the month of May this year is kind of just a little crazy for me. So I didn't want to say, hey, I have this cancellation and someone to be like, eh. I need to get in, but like, I'll just call next week. It's like, no, you're probably not going to be able to get in with me for a long time. So if you're thinking about something, you got to do it now. So I actually love that feedback that you just gave me and everybody listening, because I I don't know if I'm ever being annoying when I say that, or if it makes me look like desperate, but it's like, I'm just trying to help you guys out. No, it's a part of business. Exactly. You're helping out your clients when it comes to, okay, so here I'm putting on my work hat for a second, but this. this is what I tell my clients often is when you are being salesy feels icky. Let's be honest. None of us like to sell anything, especially on social media. It feels, it doesn't feel great. A lot of times you don't want to be like, look at me, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. But if you then turn it and it's not about you, it's about them. You're providing a service to them. And if you're giving them the opportunity to reach out, you're letting them know about what the service, it then allows them to it just triggers them to allow them to take that point of action to be able to say, okay, now's the time. And I think that sense of urgency helps with making that transition make very clear sense and and then feels very comfortable for you. I do see there's a number of people that do it. I follow somebody who does microblading. Her schedule is very fluid. It's changing often. And I think one of the most amazing things that she does is that she's very clear on Instagram. Oh my goodness, I have an opening, a cancellation. I mean, she had a cancellation a few weeks ago that was like next day, 1030 in the morning, which is really a tight, tight chip. But she also said, I'm going to offer a hundred dollars off for this just because it's so last minute. 
I jumped on it. I'd been wanting to get my eyebrows microbladed. And then all of a sudden there was that opportunity and that, you know, that's helpful. It's helpful for me and it's helpful for her. So there's something to be said about that because just by putting it out there, you're receiving back. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of? I don't know about you, but I do a lot of online shopping and then I just fill my cart and I abandon it and I leave the tab open on my phone. And every once in a while, I'm like, I really need to buy that thing. But if Mm -hmm. I get some kind of notification that the thing that's in my cart is on sale or there's some kind of discount on the whole website, I'm like, well, today is the day. Today is the day that I'm going to buy that cart. And even I had two things in my cart on Etsy and I was like, "Eh, I'll go back to it. Both things were gone. So then I was like, well, man, so now I'm going back on Etsy. I'm finding similar items. And I bought them today because I was like, I can't afford to not be able to find these items again. So I think you're right with that. I mean, I know you're right with that sense of urgency thing, but when I did that, I wasn't even being intentional. Exactly. That was a good, it's a good test. It's a good test and touch point, whether you're a service or product-based business to be able to create that sense of urgency. I talk a lot to my clients too, who have product-based businesses about, and I actually, prior to owning my own business, I have a product development background. So my background was creating physical products and working with brands um, who were then selling the product and we worked seasonally. And there's something to be said about creating a seasonal assortment if you're a product-based business because they know they're only going to get it during that season. It's a short period of time and there's urgency for snapping it up during that four month period of time, especially when it comes out right at the beginning. So the same kind of cadence falls true here and just a little bit of a tweaked sense to work for how you work. Yeah, I find that super fascinating. So going back to the hair aspect. Mm, Yes. I don't know why, but the one thing that stands out in my mind about the things that you said that you like and don't like, and you know, the whole, the whole list was you were like, I pull my hair back half up, half down a lot like this. And you showed me the exact placement and you were like, if there's nothing here, it's going to drive me crazy or whatever you said. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was like, I don't know, just so intuitive of you. And I really appreciated it because listen, like I ask a few questions on how people wear their hair, but I don't know if someone changes their hair from Monday to Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's like, do you, do you pull your hair back? Do you wear it down? Where do you part your hair? Those are kind of the things I need to know, but I don't yeah. think of the little nuances in between or like it's on like day two or three after someone washes their hair, how are they going to be styling their hair? And I do truthfully leave a lot of sections out and it's intentionally left out for depth and dimension and all of that. Mm-hmm. But like, if you didn't tell me, I 100% would have completely ignored those spots that you needed to be hit. And I thought that was really interesting. And now, so like, I think the last time I went to your color, I was like, can you show me how you pull your hair back again? Because I want to make sure I'm hitting those spots. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, (laughs) in my (laughs) hair journey, I have this is so funny. It's so funny to talk about this. So we have wash days. You wash your hair. And then it's like, how long, I feel like we're all at this point, like, how long can we make our hair last? I know that I will wash my hair. I have about two days with that clean hair before I put dry shampoo in, depending on what I'm doing. 
And then I know if I put dry shampoo in my hair and I curl it, I could get probably another two days out of that hair, depending on what I'm doing. And I know that one day I'll probably wear my hair down and curled. And the next day I'll probably put it half up and curled. And then, then it goes up in a bun for like as long as I can probably handle it, depending on what I'm doing. Obviously in the age of where we are pandemic wise and social, like I could probably get a good six days out of my hair lately, which is great. But with that said, yeah, I've learned like, okay, I'm going to wear my hair half up. I'm going to wear my hair in a bun. I'm going to wear my hair in a low ponytail. I, you know, I even came in the other day and I said, oh, I've been parting my hair in the middle here and I pull it back and it looks kind of like this. So yeah, I am conscious to what my hair looks like when I wear it specific ways. And I think when I told you about the half up story and kind of showed you that I was uncomfortable with how that the under part looked and when I wore it half up in a specific way you could see the unevenness it was just not as paid attention to as the top I think right at that time but it probably looked it looked great when my hair was down but then when it was half up it just it got hidden right unmasked and generally that area is a little paid less attention to because it's the underneath. It's not what you see when your hair is down. It's not when you see when you pull your hair back in a full ponytail. That area generally is less treated or less paid attention to it. I don't mean less blendy by any means. Sure. It's just, you know, if I'm going to make something perfect, it's going to be the top, the front, and the crown, right? And so Absolutely. I would I imagine that most hairdressers probably feel the same. So when you were like, this area is really important to me because of when I wear my hair like this, I was just like, oh, okay, really great to know. So the whole inspiration for bringing you on this is, I guess I appreciate what you bring to a consultation so much that I'm sure there are other stylists out there who have clients like you who who bring these details. And I kind of I don't know. I just, I wanted to talk about it and get it out on the table. But one thing that you and I were talking about is, and you, you touched on it, is all like the anxiety that goes behind making sure that things are perfect. I know you and I were talking about our nails, um, mm-hmm. that we both like them short. And I was telling you my stories about that. So um, if you could share the anxiety, you can, you could talk about nails too, the anxiety yeah. is about what goes into stepping into an appointment. Yeah, I think for so many of us, getting our hair done or getting our nails done, this is a time where we're investing in ourselves. And I mean, we just want, you want to feel good. It's to make ourselves feel good. It is like our me time. And there are so many times when I've left the nail salon and I'm like, oh, I don't know about that color. I probably I'll just have to live with this for the next week. And I regret or them. I mean, we so we touched upon we both like our nails short. I don't bite my nails, but I like them short based on the work that I do. I'm assuming probably you do too, for that matter. But not everybody likes understands that people like short nails. And I'm sure it's a little bit more difficult for them to even paint super short nails. But <laughs> I've learned that I feel I leave an appointment feeling more comfortable, happy, taking care of, 
rested when I clearly communicate what I want. And I think the same runs true for hair. Obviously, we've all, I mean, we've all, let's be honest, we've had a bit, like, we've all had a bad haircut at some point in time in our life. And I think that feeling is something that stuck with me and that it's a dread and it's an anxiety. And if I can avoid that feeling at any costs, um, you know, there was a point in time where I probably was afraid to speak up and say what exactly what I wanted or if I didn't like something specifically. But I've gotten to that point, and I think that is based on trust and understanding where a stylist is coming from and a colorist um, to be able to clearly communicate that. So I think that's mainly where my kind of wants and needs and examples and <laughs> the list of things maybe that I, I come to you with. It's, and again, it's a conversation I, I say, I keep on saying list, but it's a conversation you do so good at, you know, asking the right questions early on so that I am able to articulate more clearly communicate what it is that I'm looking for. And then leaving that appointment with the peace and the comfort and like, you want to feel good. And like, we're all getting our hair done to build confidence and to feel good and to live our best hair story. And that truly is where we want to leave. And we don't want to leave with that kind of like dread and oh this is not that's not the color I wanted or we didn't quite reach it and I think you do a good job too of understanding okay like we got to this point here today and I think next time we can get closer to that photo I think a lot of people bring photos too and they're unrealistic expectations I mean they a lot of them could be a photo that has hair extensions when it comes to volume or texture or whatnot. But when it comes to color, it could be something that was a process that took four trips to the salon as opposed to one long session of like a full head of balayage. It's, it's really, it's about setting what those expectations are. Totally. Yeah. That was, it's funny that you just led into that because that was definitely going to be my next question in terms of this is like, you know, when you, when you first started telling me the issues that you had been having with your hair and what, I think this was even over just like DMs on Instagram Mm -hmm. um, and what your expectations were and what you were looking for. And then you showed me pictures of when your hair was like what you were asking for. And immediately I, it went off in my head of this is possible with her hair because she has had it. You mm-hmm. showed me pictures of you. Like you didn't show me pictures of a celebrity that had hair extensions that had, you know, spent 14 hours at a salon trying to get what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, you showed me something realistic. I have had this color before because hair does have limitations, right? So sometimes Someone sure. will come in with a, a natural color and they're asking for something. And I'm like, yeah, that should totally be possible. And then their hair just stops. Like their hair says no. And, and we've even run into a little bit of that. Yes. like With certain pieces in the front that didn't get to where we needed to be. But it's trying something different the next time to get closer to what that is because it has been there. Right. Totally. And, and so instead of your hair kind of stopping there and me being like, oh, your hair won't let me do what you wanted to do. I'm a little determined because I'm like, no, you can have that. And I'm not going to tell you, you can't have it because you have had it. And even though mm. things might have changed because um, time goes on and texture changes and color changes and stuff like that, it shouldn't be that hard to get back to it. Right. So, 
So yes, setting realistic expectations from the stylist is so, so important. But if you, and I mean, I know you are you and you're a certain person with understandings and stuff like that, but if you could put yourself in someone else's shoes for a second with similar, I guess, expectations that you have, and you were to walk into a salon and the stylist, maybe it's someone you've been going to forever or maybe not, were to say, okay, um, I understand that's what you want, but it's going to take three sessions to get there. You will leave today looking like this. Do you think that you having those expectations and then the stylist kind of like setting you straight or being direct, do you think that you would still leave the salon a little disappointed because you didn't walk out with what you wanted, even though you walked out with what you expected? If that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's always helpful for a stylist to set the expectation prior so that it's, I mean, you're mentally preparing. Okay. I know I'm not going to get here today. Next time, the third time, maybe we will, but yeah. Um, Is it a disappointment? I would say no, because it's clearly communicated, but I think that's where problem solving and troubleshooting comes into play as well. You know, in the sense of you saying, okay, well, if we're not going to get here today, we're going to do this next time to get to that. The clear communication is important. So it's like the communication, but also the stylist giving the client that little bit of hope of like, don't worry, I have a plan for next time to get you there. Not like, listen, I don't know what happened and Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're just going to hope together. (laughs) Yeah, that's a tricky one. I think everybody's a little bit different yeah, in the sense sure. of what they, what they need and, and they want. And I think that from a client perspective, you definitely have to be prepared to continue the conversation to understand like where we are going to get, where we're going to be. So that I think a lot of people sadly in that case could shut down and just be like, okay. And they say, okay. And that's it where I think I would continue to ask questions and maybe even ask you, and I know we've done this together, looked up visual examples of like, okay, we can't get here, but maybe we'll get here. And this will, this is visually what it will look like. I think that's probably helpful for a stylist to do as well, to clearly communicate that. I know not in all cases you're going to be, you can predict what potentially it could be, Um, or what it'll look like. But I think the more that gap can be bridged, the better. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, for me, I've said this before on the podcast, but like, I don't get a chance to be a client very often. Like I get my nails done every few weeks. Sometimes I get a massage. So it's hard for me to put myself in those shoes Mm. of talking to a professional who's giving me a service and listening to them and believing them. And the only thing I could think of, like, as we're talking is I'm trying to make a tattoo appointment soon. And I'm thinking Mm. to myself, if I want a larger piece and I go in there thinking that I'm going to get the whole thing done and they do the outline and send me on my way, um, I'm going to be disappointed. But the difference is that if they tell me from the from the beginning, we're going to schedule you two sessions. Your first one's going to be an outline and your second one is going to be the shading. 
then at least I'm not walking into that appointment the day of bragging to all my friends, oh my God, when I leave today, I'm going to have a a new tattoo, Mm -hmm. where instead Mm -hmm. I'm sending them a picture later going, all right, well, it's almost done. Here's the picture and I'll get back to it in weeks. So that's like kind of what I'm relating it to in my head. So it makes sense that the sooner you can get that out of the way, meaning the very beginning of the consultation before anything starts. Right. Yeah. From a stylist perspective. Yeah. To be, to be that one to clearly communicate with your client what it is so that you're okay. So the goal here is we want to understand what the expectations are. So it's setting the expectation so that there leaves no room for disappointment. Someone thinking you're not meeting that expectation, you know, it just really demystifies the process as far as what that expectation is and meeting it, exceeding it or, you know, not meeting it in general, because obviously we all want to meet and exceed and have somebody leave with something that they're happy for, happy with. Yeah. And it's kind of like you, you just kind of said something that reminds me of the phrase under promise over deliver. It's, it's Mm -hmm. something that we all kind of want to do as hairstylists. And a lot of, a lot of hairstylists, I think do forget to under promise Like they're just like, yeah, we're going to get there today. And then when they don't get there, that's when people get really upset or don't feel like they're getting their value for what they're paying. But if you under promise and then you hit what you promised or you go above and beyond and like, man, you look like a a superstar, right? Like the best ever was. (laughs) Yeah. That definitely runs true to also with keeping you on time throughout the day. So much of that. I mean, I'm even guilty of it in asking you for things too. I mean, let's just talk about how thick my hair is and Simone, <laughs> can we take more out of my hair? Can we take more out of my hair? And like, I know that that takes time and that eats into other things as well. And while I may be communicating that, I think you've done a very good job of communicating it too is be like this is this is as far as we're going to get today like Kristen this is much hair as I can take out of your head yes. and I'm always like more 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 it's too heavy here it's too heavy here so do you have any advice for people clients who have experienced, I mean, everybody has, right? Walking into a salon, asking for something and not really speaking up for themselves. If it does come down to um, an anxiety thing with them of, oh my God, mm. I can't say anything. I can't say anything because that definitely happens. Like sure, you kind of find your voice and find the courage to speak up and say, I'm not leaving until this happens in a nicer way. You're very nice. You would yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I know. And that's hard. And I think that's where a lot of people, a lot of anxiety does come into place because you're unhappy, but you don't want to make them unhappy as well. And you don't want to, I mean, they're the professional. You don't want to really like down what they're doing as a professional. So yeah, I think when it comes to that, it definitely is going home enough times and being probably unhappy and knowing like, okay, I don't want to feel like that again. So learning what potential it is that you can say, just say, hey, you know, I know we were going to do this, but I'm not sure if I feel comfortable or not, I'm not sure. I'm saying I don't feel comfortable going to this point or trying that out or, hey, can you explain to me what you're doing? And I think of it, you know, 
some of it does take that trial and error and it definitely comes with feeling comfortable with your stylist as well. Yeah. Because that relationship is really important. I know there's a lot of people who do have really good relationships and can just, yeah, just being able to have that open, clear communication is so important and not feel like that client stylist relationship is intimidating helps. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my whole, my whole thing or my whole vibe is, you know, if someone isn't coming to the salon to hang out with me, I don't really know Mm -hmm. why they're coming to the salon. Like, I'm like, everybody who sits in my chair should immediately be my best friends. And if we're not clicking like, like that, I just don't know how long it's going to last. Um, because you do a good job by, by asking those questions at the beginning to make sure somebody is comfortable. Right. You set the tone. You're there as the stylist to set the tone. And that's, that's branding as well. You know, <laughs> that's, it really is. You're going in there and you're setting the tone for how the session is going to be. And I think you're allowing your client to be able to share how they feel about, about what you're with the service you're providing for them. To get, to get comfortable. Right. And mm. that actually kind of leads into you know, obviously I know you're not on, on my end of being the stylist. Um, but obviously I, I said before, there's not many clients that sit in my chair the way that you sit down saying, this is what I like, and this is what I don't like and, and being very exact. So I know I have my own ways of pulling things out of people. And sometimes you mm-hmm. just can't pull anything out of someone. Mm-hmm. Um, but would you have any advice on how we as stylists can get people to express themselves the way that you do without making them uncomfortable? Sure. I think always asking for a visual is helpful. I, I think even where we spoke and I was like, hey, I really liked my hair here. Having them even pull in an old photo of them from the past. So like you said, that was really helpful for you because you knew that it was achievable. Um, I think that's a good start. I think asking those questions like how what's your hair process through the week how do you wear your hair do you wear it up often do you wear it down where do you part it do you change your part throughout the week I think getting to that um helps hopefully you get closer to where you are but it is difficult if somebody I think you letting somebody know that the more you give me, the closer that we can, the closer we can get there. Yeah. Sometimes it truly is like pulling teeth. Um, yeah, I'm sure. But I, I think I, insight is super helpful. Yeah. I have clients, you know, I mean, two different fields, but I have clients who are that way as well. I have my clients create a Pinterest board at the beginning of working together. That's not for them to tell me what they want. That's for me to see what their eye is attracted to. So I think the same kind of runs true here. If they can come with a reference so you can see what their eye is attracted to, whether that's a reference in themselves or somebody else that opens the conversation and is really the icebreaker. And then I think you can go in with those more specific questions about what they do with their hair from week to week. Yeah. Interesting. Day to day. And I have one more question, which has been bothering my brain. It's been Mm. floating around 
something that I've experienced 1 million times as a stylist. And, and what set this off was I was in the salon the other week and, you know, my neighbors around me, I can, I can hear other conversations because, you know, we're all pretty close to each other. And, and there was, um, this woman, I'm going to say, she seemed a little neurotic. She was not coming to me and she seemed uncomfortable. You know, some people are just uncomfortable walking into a salon. Yeah. And I heard her say to her stylist who she was seeing for the first time, I trust you. I trust you. And I'm like thinking in my head, no, you don't trust her. So (laughs) the whole point of what I'm saying is, I don't know, like, can we, can we talk it out for a second? Like, why do we think that people say, I trust you when there is no trust in a client stylist relationship? Like there's no reason that this client would trust that stylist other than the fact that they are the professional and they're paying them, but there's no relationship there. There's no history. And this was clearly someone who was not comfortable, but I hear this all the time. I trust you. I trust you with no reason for it. Yeah. Do you have any insight on that? Because if you don't, I'm just going to keep asking people. It's totally fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, having me crazy. Yeah. That's like, that's like a brain twister. Yeah. And it truly, it like sometimes, sometimes I'll have someone sit in my chair and maybe they're like very um, down to earth and, and calm, you know, no neuroses there, but Mm. I've never met them before. And we have a, a consultation, let's say it's a haircut, we keep it simple. And then I'm like, Oh, how short do you want this? And like, uh, do what you want. I trust you. And I'm always laughing to myself because I'm like, why do you trust me? But that's, yeah, that's somebody who's not clear on what they want. I think when it comes down to it, that they are somebody who doesn't maybe make decisions and who has an idea. They communicate that to a point and they are resolved from it to making what that final decision is. But that's a really tough one. That's a really tough one because yeah, those are the clients that at the end, maybe they aren't as happy as you would like them to be, but that's because they aren't clear and they maybe don't know or don't have the tools in their toolbox to be as clear as they need to be to feel comfortable sharing. So at the end of the day, do you, whose job do you feel is it to form the clear communication? Do you think it's 50-50 stylist and client? Because I've always felt like it's 75% my job and 25% my client. Like it's, I've always always felt like it's my job to ask the questions to get them there. And even if they give me one word answers, if I have to ask 100 questions to get 100 words out of them, I will do that. So whose job do you think it is? Oh, I think it's 60-40 me. Hmm. 60% my job, 40% yours. Interesting. Because you should know what you want. True. And But you should, you should, as a stylist, should also be there to offer your professional opinion because you're going to be the executor in all of this. But at the beginning, that power lies in my hands coming to you to provide a service. To me, I have to be clear on what it is that I'm looking for and 
I'm at the end of the day, first and foremost, I, I would say that as a cl the client is setting the expectation and putting it in the professional's hands and then you're executing it right in that professional manner. But I would say it's on the client to be clear first and foremost. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, like I said, coming from my side, I don't know, this is like blowing my mind that you, that, that you're coming from that direction because it really feels like 75% of the time if someone's down for a haircut, all they know is that they need a haircut. Like they don't even know if they want anything taken off. They don't know if they want shape, if they need shape, if they mm -hmm. like shape, if they hate shape. Like people come to the table with like zero opinions and it drives me crazy because I'm like, I know you have an opinion. I know mm -hmm. you. Do you think <laughs> that they expect you to remember? And I know you have, you have a very good memory. Thank you. When it comes um, to client to client hair, I... I approach it as that, like, she's not going to remember anything about my hair. So let me just say it all over again. <laughs> because I've had, to, because I've gone to so many stylists and had to say it, had to like tell the hair story over and over again. Yeah. But I can't um, imagine. Yeah. Some people really truly think that, that you would know. Remember. Um, and I know that this happens across the board, not just with me. And sometimes, like, it, it'll happen sometimes the second time that I'm cutting someone's hair. It mm. usually happens with haircuts that it, it bugs me the most because they'll come to me the first time with, like, a, a problem to solve, right? Like, um, this piece is sitting weird here. Can you fix me? And I'm like, sure. And I, I fix them, right? And then the next time they come in and they're like, exactly what you did last time is great. And I'm like, okay, I remember you having a little bit of an issue. Can you remind me what that was? And they're like, oh, you know, just like, it was great. And I, like, I'll sit there and I'll ask. That's not fair. 10 different ways because I'm like, hmm, maybe yeah. they're understanding what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So those things. Those are, those are very tricky clients. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that it's really interesting to hear that coming from you, the client, that you believe that a little bit more than half is, should be coming from you. I'm, yeah. I would say I'm setting the expectation for what I want. You're, you'll set the expectation for then Executing. what that execution will be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So, I mean, I do like saying it that way. It sounds like, oh, that's a little 50-50, but I think there is a little bit more that lies on the client side to be clear. Right. And obviously, <laughs> obviously I feel strongly about being clear <laughs> about what it is that, that you expect. Yeah, because there's what you expect, but there's also a little bit of what you don't expect, you know, and mm -hmm. I think that's what might bring it over the 50% mark. It's a little bit more Definitely. than just what you what you're asking for. It's also mm -hmm. what you're not asking for. Mm -hmm. All right. So to wrap it up, I have to yeah. ask you my three questions that I ask everybody. Uh, the first question wait. is, how do you take your coffee? Um, iced. Iced year round. <laughs> I'm a Dunkin' girl. I knew that about you. Yes. Iced coffee with usually a flavored swirl. Lately, it's a butter pecan swirl with a splash of cream. Sounds delicious. <laughs> um, and we're like competing because I'm a Starbucks girl, but obviously you know why I am well, because of how close I am. I definitely do. Starbucks yeah. is right across the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then my next question is, can you think of the worst salon experience you've ever had without 
naming any names. Yes. <laughs> you look it was a combination of like bad, bad color and a bad cut. It was that razor straight blade haircut that she just like, it, I mean, went crazy. Hack, 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 hack. But then the color they messed up so bad that they had to put like the owner came over and had to do like a reverse oh correction on it. And it, I was only, I only went there once. And I always like to end things on a good note, which is what was the best salon experience you've ever had? Um, obviously getting to a point where I could go to somebody consistently and I was consistently getting what I was hoping for each time. The consistency is really important to me. I love to be loyal to somebody. I love to be able to go to that person time and time again. I was going to say, I feel like that is very on brand for you. <laughs> Speaking of branding. Consistency is important. Consistency yeah. creates loyalty. Loyalty, you know, leads to somebody investing in a professional in the service or business for sure. I love that. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for sharing not just your knowledge as a client, but even some of your professional knowledge because it, <laughs> it definitely passes over. And I know, yeah. um, you know, whether you meant to or not, you've definitely helped me with, um, you know, I used your, I think I told you your Pinterest board to figure out my brand colors, even for this podcast. Mm. So you had Amazing. a part in this podcast. <laughs> so thank that. you. Um, and, uh, if you want, you can, um, like drop your Instagram name now. I'll put it in also in um, the show notes and I'll put it in the outro as well. But um, let people know how to find you. Yeah, definitely. I work with a lot of service and product-based businesses. Anybody from hairdressers and stylists to interior designers to right now I'm working with a literacy um, reading and writing center. So it really runs a gamut, but you can find me on Instagram and it's my first name, Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, and my last name. So it's Kristen.Poissant, P-O-I-S-S-A-N-T, on Instagram. And KristenPoissant.com is where you can find information about my services and what I can help provide for you. Thank you for that. And I can assure anybody listening that she is fabulous. And at the very mm. least, you should follow her to see pictures of her adorable corgi, Olive. I'm, I think I'm the president of her fan club, to be honest. Oh my honest. gosh. <laughs> Olive, Olive, thank you. I love that. Thank you so much, Kristen. Absolutely. You're so welcome. I'll talk to you later. Thank you for having me. Bye. Thank you again for listening to the Coffee and Foils podcast. If you loved what you heard and want more, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and most importantly, share. My mission is to help other stylists improve their guest experiences by hearing the client's perspective, and I need your help to make that happen. As always, follow me for podcast updates at Coffee and Foils podcast on Instagram and DM me with any questions or ideas you may have. Thank you and see you next Monday.